Chapter Twentieth of *The Heart of Midlothian* by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Yet though thou mayest be dragged in scorn to yonder ignominious tree, thou shalt not want one faithful friend to share the cruel fate's decree. Jemmy Dawson after spending the greater part of the morning in his devotions for his benevolent neighbors had kindly insisted upon discharging his task of ordinary labor david deans entered the apartment when the breakfast meal was prepared his eyes were involuntarily cast down for he was afraid to look at jeanie uncertain as he was whether she might feel herself at liberty with a good conscience to attend the court of justiciary that day to give the evidence which he understood that she possessed in order to her sister's exculpation at length after a minute of apprehensive hesitation he looked at her dress to discover whether it seemed to be in her contemplation to go abroad that morning her apparel was neat and plain but such as conveyed no exact intimation of her intentions to go abroad she had exchanged her usual garb for morning labor for one something inferior to that with which as her best she was wont to dress herself for church or any more rare occasion of going into society her sense taught her that it was respectful to be decent in her apparel on such an occasion while her feelings induced her to lay aside the use of the very few and simple personal ornaments which on other occasions she permitted herself to wear so that there occurred nothing in her external appearance which could mark out to her father with anything like certainty her intentions on this occasion the preparations for their humble meal were that morning made in vain the father and daughter sat each assuming the appearance of eating when the other's eyes were turned to them and desisting from the effort with disgust when the affectionate imposture seemed no longer necessary at length these moments of constraint were removed the sound of st giles heavy toll announced the hour previous to the commencement of the trial jeanie arose and with a degree of composure for which she herself could not account assumed her plaid and made her other preparations for a distant walking it was a strange contrast between the firmness of her demeanour and the vacillation and cruel uncertainty of purpose indicated in all her father's motions and one unacquainted with both could scarcely have supposed that the former was in her ordinary habits of life a docile quiet gentle and even timid country maiden while her father with a mind naturally proud and strong and supported by religious opinions of a stern 
stoical and unyielding character had in his time undergone and withstood the most severe hardships and the most imminent peril without depression of spirit or subjugation of his constancy the secret of this difference was that genie's mind had already anticipated the line of conduct which she must adopt with all its natural and necessary consequences while her father ignorant of every other circumstance tormented himself with imagining what the one sister might say or swear or what effect her testimony might have upon the awful event of the trial he watched his daughter with a faltering and indecisive look until she looked back upon him with a look of unutterable anguish as she was about to leave the apartment my dear lassie said he i will his action hastily and confusedly searching for his worsted mittens and staff showed his purpose of accompanying her though his tongue failed distinctly to announce it father said jeanie replying rather to his action than his words ye had better not in the strength of my god answered deans assuming firmness i will go forth and taking his daughter's arm under his he began to walk from the door with a step so hasty that she was almost unable to keep up with him a trifling circumstance but which marked the perturbed state of his mind checked his course your bonnet father said jeanie who observed he had come out with his grey hairs uncovered he turned back with a slight blush on his cheek being ashamed to have been detected in an omission which indicated so much mental confusion assumed his large blue scottish bonnet and with a step slower but more composed as if the circumstance had obliged him to summon up his resolution and collect his scattered ideas again placed his daughter's arm under his and resumed the way to edinburgh the courts of justice were then and are still held in what is called the parliament close or according to modern phrase parliament square and occupied the buildings intended for the accommodation of the scottish estates this edifice though in an imperfect and corrupted style of architecture had then a grave decent and as it were a judicial aspect which was at least entitled to respect from its antiquity for which venerable front i observed on my last occasional visit to the metropolis that modern taste had substituted at great apparent expense a pile so utterly inconsistent with every monument of antiquity around and in itself so clumsy at the same time and fantastic that it may be likened to the decorations of tom errand the porter in the trip to the jubilee when he appears bedizened with the tawdry finery of beau clincher sed transiet cum cateris erroribus the small quadrangle or close if we may presume still to give it that appropriate 
though antiquated title which at lichfield salisbury and elsewhere is properly applied to designate the enclosed adjacent to a cathedral already evinced tokens of the fatal scene which was that day to be acted the soldiers of the city guard were on their posts now enduring and now rudely repelling with the butts of their muskets the motley crew who thrust each other forward to catch a glance at the unfortunate object of trial as she should pass from the adjacent prison to the court in which her fate was to be determined all must have occasionally observed with disgust the apathy with which the vulgar gaze on scenes of this nature and how seldom unless when their sympathies are called forth by some striking and extraordinary circumstance the crowd evince any interest deeper than that of callous unthinking bustle and brutal curiosity they laugh jest quarrel and push each other to and fro with the same unfeeling indifference as if they were assembled for some holiday sport or to see an idle procession occasionally however this demeanour so natural to the degraded populace of a large town is exchanged for a temporary touch of human affections and so it chanced on the present occasion when deans and his daughter presented themselves in the close and endeavoured to make their way forward to the door of the court-house they became involved in the mob and subject of course to their insolence as deans repelled with some force the rude pushes which he received on all sides his figure and antiquated dress caught the attention of the rabble who often show an intuitive sharpness in ascribing the proper character from external appearance ye're welcome whigs frae bothwell briggs sung one fellow for the mob of edinburgh were at that time jacobitically disposed probably because that was the line of sentiment most diametrically opposite to existing authority mass david williamson chosen of twenty ran up the pulpit stair and sang killy cranky chanted a siren whose profession might be guessed by her appearance a tattered katy or errand porter whom david deans had jostled in his attempt to extricate himself from the vicinity of these scorners exclaimed in a strong north country tone to devil ding out her cameronian ein what gives her titles to dunch gentlemen's about make room for the ruling elder said yet another he comes to see a precious sister glorify god in the grass-market whisht shames in ye sirs said the voice of a man very loudly which as quickly sinking said in a low but distinct tone it's her father and sister all fell back to make way for the sufferers and all even the very rudest and most profligate were struck with shame and silence in the space thus abandoned to them by the mob 
deans stood holding his daughter by the hand and said to her with a countenance strongly and sternly expressive of his internal emotion ye hear with your ears and ye see with your eyes where and to whom the backslidings and defections of professors are ascribed by the scoffers not to themselves alone but to the kirk of which they are members and to its blessed and invisible head then well may we take with patience our share and portion of this outspreading reproach the man who had spoken no other than our old friend dumby dykes whose mouth like that of the prophet's ass had been opened by the emergency of the case now joined them and with his usual taciturnity escorted them into the court-house no opposition was offered to their entrance either by the guards or doorkeepers and it is even said that one of the latter refused a shilling of civility money tendered him by the laird of dumby dykes who was of opinion that siller would make all easy but this last incident wants confirmation admitted within the precincts of the court-house they found the usual number of busy office-bearers and idle loiterers who attend on these scenes by choice or from duty burghers gaped and stared young lawyers sauntered sneered and laughed as in the pit of the theatre while others apart sat on a bench retired and reasoned highly inter aspis juris on the doctrines of constructive crime and the true import of the statute the bench was prepared for the arrival of the judges the jurors were in attendance the crown counsel employed in looking over their briefs and notes of evidence looked grave and whispered with each other they occupied one side of a large table placed beneath the bench on the other sat the advocates whom the humanity of the scottish law in this particular more liberal than that of the sister country not only permits but enjoins to appear and assist with their advice and skill all persons under trial mr nicol novit was seen actively instructing the counsel for the panel so the prisoner is called in scottish law phraseology busy bustling and important when they entered the court-room deans asked the laird in a tremulous whisper where will she sit dumby dykes whispered novit who pointed to a vacant space at the bar fronting the judges and was about to conduct deans towards it no he said i cannot sit by her i cannot own her not as yet at least i will keep out of her sight and turn mine own eyes elsewhere better for us both saddletree whose repeated interference with the council had procured him one or two rebuffs and a special request 
that he would concern himself with his own matters now saw with pleasure an opportunity of playing the person of importance he bustled up to the poor old man and proceeded to exhibit his consequence by securing through his interest with the barkeepers and macers a seat for deans in a situation where he was hidden from the general eye by the projecting corner of the bench it's good to have a friend at court he said continuing his heartless harangues to the passive auditor who neither heard nor replied to them few folk but myself would have sorted ye out a seat like this the lords will be here incontinent and proceed instanter to trial they wanna fence the court as they do at the circuit the high court of judiciary is aye fenced but lord's sake what's this of it jeanie ye are a sighted witness may sir this lass is a witness she maun be enclosed she maun on no account be at large mr novit should not jeanie deans be enclosed novit answered in the affirmative and offered to conduct jeanie to the apartment where according to the scrupulous practice of the scottish court the witnesses remain in readiness to be called into court to give evidence and separated at the same time from all who might influence their testimony or give them information concerning that which was passing upon the trial is this necessary said jeanie still reluctant to quit her father's hand a matter of absolute necessity," said saddletree whatever heard of witnesses no being enclosed it is really a matter of necessity said the younger counsellor retained for her sister and jeanie reluctantly followed the macer of the court to the place appointed this mr deans said saddletree is called sequestering a witness but it's clean different whilk maybe ye wouldna find out of yourself from sequestering one's estate or effects as in cases of bankruptcy i have often been sequestered as a witness for the sheriff is in the use whiles to cry me in to witness the declarations at precognitions and so is mr sharpetlaw but i was never like to be sequestered of land and goods but once and that was long sin afore i was married but whisht whisht here's the court coming as he spoke the five lords of justiciary in their long robes of scarlet faced with white and preceded by their mace-bearer entered with the usual formalities and took their places upon the bench of judgment the audience rose to receive them and the bustle occasioned by their entrance was hardly composed when a great noise and confusion of persons struggling and forcibly endeavouring to enter at the doors of the court-room and of the galleries announced that the prisoner was about to be placed at the bar this tumult takes place when the doors at first only opened to those either having right to be present or to the better and more qualified ranks are at length laid open to all whose curiosity induces them to be present on the occasion with inflamed countenances and dishevelled dresses struggling with 
and sometimes tumbling over each other in rushed the rude multitude while a few soldiers forming as it were the centre of the tide could scarce with all their efforts clear a passage for the prisoner to the place which she was to occupy by the authority of the court and the exertions of its officers the tumult among the spectators was at length appeased and the unhappy girl brought forward and placed betwixt two sentinels with drawn bayonets as a prisoner at the bar where she was to abide her deliverance for good or evil according to the issue of her trial End of chapter twentieth